Glory to God. For some time now, we have been talking about the gospel, and we have been taking on various subheadings, and a couple of things we have ascertained thus far is that not only have we been commissioned to go and preach the gospel, but we have been commissioned to make disciples. Now, let me say this. Once we become disciples of Jesus, our mission is now to go and preach that good news. And just let me say this. The Word of God declares that except God build the house, except God build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So wherever you are a, wherever you believe God has called you to, within that vision, it should, there should be something within that vision that has to do with winning people. If the vision is all about the individual, I submit to you, perhaps you uh, need to revisit that particular vision because the vision has to do with God's purpose, God's agenda, God's plan. And I'm saying that to say once I get to a ministry and I learn the vision, just like those of you who are connected to SGFC, once you learn the vision, really you shouldn't have to be told anymore as what to do as a disciple because I know that I'm to go. That's the only word you need, go. Once you learn the assignment, the rest I already know, go. Now, it, there's nothing wrong with encouraging you in the faith and that sort of thing, but I, once I know what the assignment is, go. Oh, do you get that? Now, that's a nugget. I'm not teaching on that today, but I know now to go. It's almost like training a hound dog, if you will, a beagle, whatever they are. Whatever they are. My granddad used to have them. You could hear them in the woods, oh, 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 whatever they were chasing but it's like once you are trained, I don't have to tell you what to do each time we go out. You already know to go. Why? Because I am a disciple and I understand what the commission is, so I go. But we looked at some fundamentals of the gospel as it is clearly articulated in 1 Corinthians 5 excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. You can put this, write this down as a reference. <clears throat> and we see the message of the gospel is accompanied by many infallible truths. Christ died for our sins. That's proven by his burial. Christ rose again on the third day. That's proven by our witnesses. Then to everything that was written in scriptures, he fulfilled. Then we went over several points. We uh, said point number one is, now we're talking about what? The good news. And when the good news is understood from the standpoint of what Christ's death, burial, resurrection, seeing, ascension, seating, mean, when we understand what that means, it should bring about a liberation to the hearer. That's why it's good news. I'm going to show you something here. So it's called the Good news. If someone is preaching to you, man of God, the good news, you should leave feeling better, not worse. If I hear a gospel message and I leave feeling condemned, that is not good news. <laughs> uh, 
Number one, we said the gospel, and you can write this down if you haven't written it down already or haven't, uh, but I would admonish you, you could go to our church web page, my personal page, and get the previous message and, and uh, get these notes. Number one, we said that the gospel is good news in that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son to die for the world. We said number two, the gospel is good news. Oh, and this is one we got stuck on. Uh, the gospel is good news in that we are no longer enemies of God. We have been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus and adopted into the family of God. Will you declare that again? I am no longer an enemy of God. And once you realize that, you will understand that some of these things that are coming against you are not designed by God to get you to the next level. Because if I have to pass a series of tests, again, I am now relying on self-effort. And it's not based upon what you do. It's based upon you coming into agreement with what Jesus has already done. Oh. Number three, we said that the gospel is good news and that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Number four, we're going to deal with this one today. Write this down. The gospel is good, is good news. In that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. That's good news to, to, if I'm out here living foul and living for the devil, that I cannot or I do not and cannot earn my salvation. What's, what's point number four? Okay, let's, class, in unison, let's try this again. Number four, the gospel is good news in that we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. Now, let me say this, and <clears throat> uh, it's still perpetuated because of the traditions that have been handed down by man. But the old church uh, was somewhat sincere in their expression, but oftentimes many were in error in their theology. So they were sincere in maybe what they were teaching and, 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 and what they were dispensing man of God to believers, but they were often in error uh, many times, some denominations, in their the theology. For instance, notice we cannot earn our salvation. If I have to come and get saved every time I miss the mark, I am now trying to earn my salvation. If I get, if I get up and declare that Jesus saved me today, and I uh, go to school tomorrow, and have an altercation and hit somebody. Well, the old church would declare you unfit and you need to come back. Ask the Lord to save you again. Better than that, you receive salvation and you know how you, some say I slipped. Oh, well, you're not saved. Come, see, what, you, what you're doing now, you're earning. 
And not that they were intentional about it, but that's where understanding comes in. So you can't, if, if I'm, this is what I'm saying. If every time I miss it, I have to come and get saved again, you are trying to earn it. You can't earn Watch this. If that's the case, you will never get saved. Because you're saying, now I have to be perfect. And you're not. I want to show you some things because something else we're going to learn, too, is that, well, let me slow down. But what's point number four? The gospel is good news in that we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. Oh, you need to be purged. What what did Jesus go through for? And see, here's again, here's a thing again, guys. Religion keeps you bound. When I say religion, self-effort, trying to be justified before God. Because you are trying to, when you, when you are bound by religion, you are trying to achieve something that you are unable to do on your own. That's why people couldn't keep the law. The law was never intended for them to keep the law was for them to, to show them that you are, you are actually in need of Christ's saving grace. That's what the law is for, to show you that you need Jesus. I think it's Romans 3.20. Go there real quick. I wasn't intending to go there. Why do you think some people always, watch this, going through? Hey, religion. Okay, I'm going through. Again? Again, I'm not saying that things don't try to come and oppose you. But we're talking about walking in the freedom whereby Christ has set you free. For no person will be justified. Do you see this? Made righteous, acquitted, and judged acceptable in what? His sight by observing the works prescribed by the law. For the real function of the law is what? To make men recognize and be cut. See, it was, it, it was to show you that, man, I am a sinner, and the only way I can get out of this, I, I need his help. Are you here? Now, with this point, and, and I, I, I'm going to need, I know, a couple weeks with this. Uh, whenever you begin to talk about not earning your salvation and not being justified by your own efforts, uh, there's always that group, man of God, that quickly refers to James. Faith without works is dead. Huh. You ever heard? So that's why you get up this Sunday, uh, Lord, save me again. Then those of us, because some like to keep count, he's been saved 15 times this month. Watch this. And the person who's sitting back desiring to be saved, they never want to come down or acknowledge they want to receive Jesus because in their mind, if he can't get it right, if she keeps messing up, and I thought she was the epitome of one who would say, if she got saved again. See, th- this, this is not good for religion, but it's good for truth. So, 
So whenever you talk about earning your salvation and not be justified by faith, you know, by your efforts, you always have that group who, and, and write this down, and I doubt we'll get to it today, but write it down. James 2, particularly verses 14 through 26, is oftentimes taken out of context. Out of context. Listen to me now. James 2, particularly verses 14 through 26, is sometimes taken out of context in an attempt to create a work-based system of righteousness. And that's contrary to what other passages of the Word of God lets us know. And then you have those who would argue that James, and see, listen to this, some argue that James' emphasis is his emphasis on works contradict Paul's focus on faith. So those, when you say I'm justified by believing in what Jesus did, then you have those who say, no, faith by works is dead. So they, they actually think James contradicts what Paul is saying. But when you understand, when you rightly divide and understand what James is saying or communicating, James is actually complimenting what Paul is saying. So James is not saying that our works makes us righteous before God, but that real saving faith in Christ is demonstrated by good deeds. That word works is talking about good deeds. In other words, he's saying if you are really one who is a follower of Jesus, we will know by your good deeds. Not your good deeds make you righteous. Are you here? We're going to get into it. So listen to this, and I will write this down. Works or good deeds, or good deeds, excuse me, are not the cause of salvation. Works, or, or you can say good deeds, are not the cause of salvation. Works are the evidence of salvation. <laughs> so my good deeds is evidence, Sister Moore, that I am a follower of Christ. Who gets that? This is good. And see, man, when you get to that realm where many of us are living, where you're relying on Christ, man, you, you'll be like, Pastor, I wish I would have known this. Listen to me now. While Paul's teachings concentrate, listen to me. While Paul's teachings concentrate on our justification with God, James's teachings concentrate on the works or the good deeds that exemplify that justification. I need you to get this. That way, those who are uh, have misinterpreted Scripture and tried to use uh, James as faith without works is dead. He's not saying that your works is what justifies you. What he is saying is that your good deeds actually uh, coincides or lets us know that you are one who follows Christ. So his, James's works complement it. And we're going to see this, not contradict, contradict excuse me, Paul's teachings. So James, you can write this down. J write this down. James teaches on works complemented, not contradicted Paul's teachings on faith. What did I just say? Oh boy, you guys, where's this strong class at? See, again, <laughs> I'm 
I'm about, I'm like Christ. I'm about liberation and freedom in him. <laughs> not trying to butter you up so you can give a big offering. That's not, no, I want truth. Because if you understand truth, you'll give. I'm not in here to make you feel good emotionally. That, that's two blocks down or three blocks up, whichever way you want to go. We're here, we're here to teach the truth of God's word because it's too many people who are claiming to have a relationship with Jesus, but they're yet still in bondage. And can I just notice what we're talking about? How, you know, some say that James and Paul are at odds when they're actually are working together. Can I just share something with you for, and I've done it in years past, but, but for learning in, in uh, hermeneutics or uh, principles when it comes to biblical interpretation, there's what they call bridging the gap. Someone say bridging the gap. And, and, and these are components that you need to take into consideration in order to understand what the writer was saying, okay, and how that applies to you. So in other words, it's bridging the gap between our minds and the mind of those who pen what was inspired, okay? So there's what they call the literal, and you can write this down, the literal interpretation. And that's scripture should be understood in its literal or normal and natural sense, okay? The, the literal interpretation. Then there's the historical point of view. That's when we interpret the scripture based upon its historical events, you know, what was happening at that time. And how does that today, how does that apply to me today? So not understanding some of these things can move you into a place of error, okay? Now, I'm going somewhere with this because I'm going to show you in a second that Paul and James are not at odds. <laughs> and we're going to let the Bible show us this, Okay. Then there is the grammatical, and some of you who are uh, uh, seminary students, you understand this, uh, the grammatical uh, point of view, and that's understanding the basic grammatical structure of each sentence in its original language. That's why sometimes you hear me saying, in the Greek it means this, or in the Hebrew it means that. So then, too, it's understanding to whom do the pronouns refer to? What is the tense of the main verb? All those things are, are important when it comes to biblical exegesis, okay? Now, then there is what they call the synthesis. All these things are important to bridging the gap in biblical interpretation. Someone say synthesis. Uh, somebody... Synthesis. Let me hear you say it. Synthesis. This is also called analogia scriptura. Analogia scriptura. And what that means is that the Bible does not contradict itself. So we know when Paul talks about being justified by faith and James says, 
without faith, without faith, without works, faith, without faith, without works. Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. So when James says that, when you understand uh, synthesis, you will understand that there are not contradicting each other. Why? Because the Bible does not contradict itself. So if we arrive at an interpretation of a passage that contradicts a truth taught elsewhere in scriptures, our interpretation cannot be correct. So it's not that the word of God is wrong, man of God. I am missing it somewhere. So scripture must be compared with scripture to discover its full meaning. That's why the scripture says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's why we do a lot of proof texting in here. I'll just show you one. I'll show you more than one where you can say, ah, the word of God is true. Okay? Then two, let me give you a nugget. Exegesis, you've heard this before, is the exposition or explanation or interpretation of a, of a particular text based upon a careful analysis. You're bringing all these things I just shared with you into their right perspective. Okay? Now listen, that word exegesis, it literally means to lead out of. Someone say to lead out of. So that means the interpreter is led to his or her conclusions by rightly dividing the word. Hold, hold on. Now, when you understand the right or proper exegesis, it would always lead you out of whatever you're in. For instance, if you're having trouble in your marriage, well, rightly dividing the word of God should lead you out of the trouble. Why? Because truth has been revealed. If you are experiencing some type of addiction or, or, or needing some type of deliverance, well, when you understand the true gospel, it should lead you out of. Go to Luke uh, uh, 4.18 while I'm saying this. Are you getting this? So if you have some type of identity crisis, because the word of God has been rightly divided, it should lead you out of the confusion. Oh, my God. If you're having financial woes and problems, I'm lack. I, I don't have enough. Well, once you learn the truth of God's word, it should lead you out of lack and into more than enough. Ah, notice what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to. So when the gospel is preached, the, the poor should uh, find liberation. When the gospel is preached, the good news, those uh, who are brokenhearted should be what? Healed. So if I'm brokenhearted because the word has been rightly divided, it shall lead me out of. Are you here? That, no, 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 no. That's why James 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you, or the truth shall make you free. So if I, if, if I am being set free, that means I have been led out of. Whatever had me bound. So that's why it's very important that we properly understand how to bridge the gap. That's why I'm in no hurry to put a nine-year-old up and preach the gospel to you just because he said he called to preach. 
because you can do more damage than good if you don't know how to properly divide the word of God. Are you here? Are y'all here? And when that happens, you are in eisegesis. Eisegesis is when you mishandle the text by reading your own ideas, presumptions, and assumptions into the text. That's when you align the text with your own beliefs or preconceived notions. You make it say what you want it to say. Now you're in error. <laughs> Exegesis means to lead out. Eisegesis means to lead into. So that's why when you hear the wrong teaching, just say what we've been teaching about, even with religion, when you hear the wrong things, it leads you deeper into whatever that thing is. See, if I try to justify whatever I'm doing that goes against the word, it leads me deeper, it just leads me uh, more deeper into that. That's why some people never stop. Why? Because of the wrong theology, it leads you deeper into that thing. Why? Because you have convinced yourself <laughs> that it's okay. Oh. Simply put, exegesis allows me to agree with the word. Eisegesis seeks to force the word to agree with us. And, 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 and a lot of the church is in eisegesis because they're forcing us to agree with their interpretation. The other error in regards to works and faith is that it attempts to make works part of what justifies us before God. We're still talking about Paul and James now. Listen to this. The mixture of works and faith to earn salvation is totally contrary to what the Scripture teaches. Who heard what I just said? The mixture of works and faith to earn salvation is totally contrary to what Scripture says. Okay? So either we or justified by faith, or we're justified by works. And we know that we're not, well, we're about to see that we're not justified by works. Or at least some, or you know here. Look at Romans 4 and 5. Now, I had to, to say all that to show us that's why it's so critically important that we study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed rightly. See, that go hermeneutics in motion. When you're studying to rightly divide, and when you know these various components, it helps you bridge the gap. You hear? Watch this. 
But the one, look, look what it says. But the one who does not work, that is the one who does not what? Try to earn his salvation by doing good. But what? Believes completely, excuse me, but believes and completely trust in him who justifies ungodly. His faith is what? Credit to him as righteousness. What is that? Right standing with God. Not by trying to earn it based upon your works, but by believing. Is that what that's saying? But the one who does not work, do you see this? That is the one who does not try to earn. What's point number four? The gospel is good news in that we do not and what? Cannot earn our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Pastor, what does this have to do with the gospel? Write down Luke 4, 18. Because when you are out sharing the good news, this will bring about liberation to someone who has been constantly trying to make themselves right by God by doing something. Are you here? So point number four is what? We, come on, the gospel is good news in that we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, AMPC. Who's getting this? See, this, this, this the Bible is it's like a puzzle. You have to put all the components and pieces together. And see, and when you understand this, you will, you, will start, you, you will begin to move from your faith to his faith. You will stop. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, Tamara tried to get me into this this morning, but I, that's about two weeks out. And once you understand this, you will stop working your faith and just exercising your faith. Hold on. Working your faith is when you're trying to do something. Exercising your faith is putting your confidence in what Jesus did. It's much easier that way. I'm just working my faith. That's why nothing manifests, because you're trying to get it. But if you just exercise it. See, exercise and realize, well, Jesus has already made provision for that, so I'm just going to come into agreement. <laughs> oh, boy, that's, uh, <laughs> that just hurts some religious mindsets. But again, because we still try to do that, work it out. And see, that's how people get into aggrandizement. I did it. Oh, man, I took my heart. It took a lot of faith for that. You could have bypassed all that. See, we're talking about new covenant, guys. Jesus provided something better for us, and many don't even know what that is. Let's get back here because y'all got me two weeks out. Uh, Ephesians 2, all that time, but I'm going to give you a little bit today. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved. How? By his free grace, delivered from judgment and made partakers in Christ's salvation through your 
faith, or actually your faith in him or your belief in him. Uh, and this salvation is not yours. I'm sorry, this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. So th those of you, if this is your 14th time getting saved, stay right there. Say, I'm not, getting, I'm not doing it again. I believe he saved me the first 14 times, and I'm good. And, and, and do you see this? And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. See, now, something else, the reason why I went through that certain, certain principles in biblical exegesis is because, again, no fault of the individual. A lot of times in the old church, you know, they thought if you wanted to get some learning, you were being bougie or you didn't need that or you weren't relying on God. The Holy Spirit will tell you everything you need to know. But, you know, the Bible also tells us wisdom is a principal thing, and in all thy getting, get an understanding. So you have someone who knows nothing about the Bible, says they're called to preach, and all we want to do is, well, get up and the Lord will use you. And many have done more harm than good. I mean, I was called to preach at 12 years old. Two weeks later, I was doing what they call a trial sermon. I had no idea what I was doing. I was petrified. <laughs> I, no, I didn't need to be up. I wasn't ready. Now, this is no awesome father, great dad. He was just, you know, he was, you know, hey, he taught me, hey, study the word. But it, he did everything that he knew to do, which was good. But I knew, man, I, I don't have anything to say to these people. Not right now. <laughs> They have nothing to say. Are you here? And that's what some, they, they it's, it's not intentional, okay? But we just, we just, we almost, we just, well, that's what we've always done. Then I thought about it, and I really had the, pretty much encounter like Jesus. Because for 18 years, Jesus uh, had matured and, you know, he kind of went off the scene. Remember, he was 12 years old. He was in the synagogue, astonishing people there. We didn't hear anything else for 18 more years. And I was thinking last night, I said, Lord, me and you had the kind of the same. Because, you know, for 18 years, I learned a whole lot. And I drifted off the scene, and I came back 18 years. Then I had something to say. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take you 18 years. I'm just saying don't be in a rush if you get called today to try to go say something tomorrow. Because the idea is to lead people out, not further into. Are you here? I didn't know how to rightly divide it. 
and, and we damage some people. Get up there, and they think it's a show. Get up there, and the little kids, you see them on YouTube videos. Yeah, it's high, high, it's high, and they doing a lie, high, high, and they think that's, and they, and that, it's not a game. This is serious. Your little nine-year-old call, learn how to start clean your room. Uh, 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 hold on. Do good in school. Love your, treat your brothers and sisters right. Matter of fact, obey what I tell you to do. See, see, no, learn how to serve. What's the rush? You can't, you can barely read. Then we want to hand them a mic and let them entertain people. This is serious, man. Then, then, then some unlearned saints don't have any better sense than to be in the pews jumping up shouting. Somebody needs to say, stop this foolishness. And we're not saying that he may or she may not be called, but there is a time of maturing and growth that needs to take place. I hear that little sanctified mother. Well, you can learn from a child. If a child speaks with wisdom, yeah, there's something you can learn. We're not talking about being able to receive something a child says. We're talking about a, a, a little kid trying to get up who has no idea what they're doing. That, that, that's, you can do more harm than good. Are you here? So those who, who parents who your little child come up to you in the midnight hour, daddy, I'm calling a priest. Well, go back to bed then. Okay, go back to bed. Go on back to bed. Are you here? And, and get groomed. Oh, see, we don't want to hear this. We, <laughs> see, that's what religion will do to you. And them guys will grow up entertaining people. It's, it's about entertainment, no, no real manifestations, nothing really freedom taking place. It's just entertainment. When I see that man, it, it vexes. It's, 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 it's hurt. It's, it's like, Lord, look, they don't even know. It's not a show, man. This is for real. You want to play? Go outside. Go get out there get on the swings. Go out there and play basketball, football. Go. That's what we need to know. But this is not the place to play. And I say it all the time. If you believe you call, you might be 25. Get up under your pastor. You, you need. You need to. Be, you need some learning. You need tools. Go to school, but you know, but you want to get something. Don't just just go off. I'm called. Prime example. I believe the Lord called me to to be a physician, Pastor. He wants me to work on people's hearts. See, I really believe I'm called to be a heart surgeon. You may be, but watch this. You can walk down the Fed Hospital with your Bible in your hand speaking in tongues, and know for sure, unequivocally, that God called you to be a physician and see if they let you do any uh, procedures on anybody. I think you'd be on the 6 o'clock news for being cuckoo. 
to them. You're not going to walk in there and say, okay, we need you to perform, perform surgery right now in room 303. No, they, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Those of you who believe you're called to be school teachers, walk in any school. Hey, uh, God called me to teach. Okay, what kind of credentials do you have? I don't need any. God validated me. See, that's what they do in the church. God validated me. He called me. Verse 9, not because of works. Do you see this? Not because of works. See, not the familiar, not the familiar fulfillment of the laws of man. Lest any man should what? Boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in, in it or take glory for himself. So you, you, you can't earn it because if you earned it, now you're taking glory. It me I, I, I had a price, price to pay for this. Well, if you knew that Jesus already paid the price for it, you could have bypassed that street. Thank God for the I ain't paying no more price. But I don't have to pay price. But Jesus already paid the price. Paying price for nothing. Unless it's some groceries. The gifts are given without repentance. Now, study and, 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 and you know, learn. But, but this, this, I had to do this. When you, it's a gift, sir. It was a gift. You can't take any glory for that. It's a gift. See how we put extra? Let me close with this verse because I can see right now, uh, yeah. Titus 3. Titus 3. Number four, the gospel is good news in that we understand we do not and cannot earn our salvation. I'm going to end with this verse. We're going to pick up here next week because this is going to need a couple weeks to. Titus 3, 5 and 7. You hear? Point number four is what? <laughs> okay. The gospel, I'm going to say it again. The gospel, hold, hold on. Hey, guys, guys, hold on. The gospel is good news in that we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing other things. So number four is the gospel. What is it, Sister Williams? You normally a good dictator. It is the news. Say it like you blow that Wilson. Now I can't hear you. Come on, come on. No, for I, no. Come on now. I want to hear you. Guys, I'm talking to Sister Williams. See, come on, daughter. There we go. Now let's come on. That's what we're talking about. See, I wanted to hear her. 
Okay? So, she know. Verse 8, watch this. Where are we at? Titus, right? Verse 5. He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done. Do you see this? But because of his own pity and mercy, by the cleansing bath of the new birth regeneration and renewing of Holy Spirit, which he poured out so richly upon us through who? Christ our Savior. Verse 7, and he did it in order that we might be justified by his grace or made free uh, of guilt of sin by his grace, by his favor, wholly undeserved. That we might be what? Acknowledged and counted as conformed to the divine will, purpose, thought, and action. And that we might become heirs of eternal life according to our hope. See, salvation is all of grace. It cannot be earned. Yeah. I have to receive, believe in what Jesus has done and receive that for myself. You hear? You have to understand this. Grace is God giving us something we cannot earn or deserve. Grace is God giving us something we cannot earn or deserve. Romans 11.6 tells us uh, if you have that, Romans eleven six tells us that works of any kind destroys grace. Do you hear this? But it, but if it is by grace, His unmerited favor and graciousness, it is no longer what condition on works or anything men have done. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace; it would be meaning, meaningless. So you have to re- realize, beloved, it's, it's not something that you have to keep doing over and over. See, now you're trying to work for it. At what point do you get it right if that's the case? Just think about it. At what point? Are you here? Last verse <laughs> for today. There, there was a time in the gospel where, where some people asked Jesus, you know, like people say, what can we do to please the Lord? What can you do to please the Lord? Well, well, one, let me say, this is what James was saying. If you are really a follower of Jesus, we'll know by your good deeds. That's what I mean by your works. Not you working to be right, but because of, but because of your relationship, you do good deeds. We're going to see this. Not today, but we're going to see it. John 6, 28, 29. Again, there are those, Lord, what can I do to please you? Who got, who's getting something? Who's getting something? <laughs> Remember, when, when the word of God is rightly divided, it should always lead you out. Now, you, you, you have to be doers of that which you've heard. You know, we, we say people, people destroy for lack of knowledge, keep reading. They rejected the knowledge. So if truth has come and, and I'm not led out, perhaps I have rejected that truth. 
because it should leave you out of whatever you're in or that has you captive. You hear? Then he said, no, they said to him, what are we to do that we may what? Habitually be working the works of God. What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Jesus replied, this is what? The work or service that God asks of you. Only one person getting free. I'm, I, I, I feel you. See, the Lord wants to, ah, he wants to lead you out. Pastor, what, what must I do to get saved again and again and again and again, habitually again and again? Pastor, what must I do to get purged? Oh, <laughs> listen to what Jesus said. This is the work <laughs> that God asks of you. Notice, what is the work? To believe. <laughs> yeah, oh, Lord, I wish this was a... Ah. Hold on. You remember earlier I said uh, uh, exercising your faith, not working it? And I said exercise is to believe or come into agreement. Watch this. Y'all, oh, I love when Bishop said, well, how can you say that? Because I can't read. <laughs> Watch this. Jesus replied, Minister K, this is the work. The work is to believe. Oh, boy. Ah, just reply, this is the work that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, trust, rely on, uh-uh, and have faith, not, not in him, not in what you do. In him. Notice Jesus immediately points to them faith or believing. The work of God is this believe. Or another way to say that, man of God, the work of God is to come into agreement with the one that he has sent. Are you here? Ah. Let me close with this before I get happy. Look, 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 look. The, the, the question, minister, is about God's requirements. Minister, I know you got to go. Listen to this. The, 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 cause, see, I, I like people who getting it. I like people who like to be laid out. Ah, I like people who have a thirst for being laid out. Look, look now. 
the question is about God's requirements, plural. Do you see it? The question is about God's requirements, plural. And Jesus' answer is that God's requirement, singular, ah, hey, ah, all the out, are y'all here? Jesus' answer is that God's requirement, singular, is that you ah believe. In him. That's your work. You want to work your faith? Believe in. Oh. Oh, I, I can't give you no more, man. I, I'm going to stop right oh, this. Do you see this? That's why we can't afford to be playing with people who are bound, man. You need truth. You need to be led out. And there's too many people in bondage week in, week out, and they're only being led deeper into when they shouldn't be coming to worship to be led out. The work is this. <laughs> Say it louder, sir. That's the work, is to believe. Watch this. Cleave to. Trust. Rely on. Have faith. What is that? That agreement in him. So when someone tries to lead you deeper into, you have to hold that much tighter to the one who's trying to lead you out. Cleave to. Rely on, trust, have faith. Come on, let's get the Lord. A hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.